This is Confessions of a Pastor. A relentlessly real peek behind the scenes of Journey Church in Bend, Oregon. From church in a strip club to a strip mall, going where Jesus would go to reach people Jesus would reach. The good, the bad, and the ugly, all for the glory of God. A journey of misery and miracles. Your hosts are the founders, Pastor Keith and Kara. There really is hope for everyone. Well, hey friends, it's that time again. It's your favorite time. Okay, it might not be your favorite time, but it is time for Confessions of a Pastor. We are your hosts, Keith and Kara. And Kara. Yes. I just want to get started by thanking our listeners. Mm. Uh, they're, they're not listeners. They're actually family. Yeah. We are so grateful to so many of you who have encouraged us and blessed us with just listening to this and then letting us know. It's huge. Yeah, and I am thankful that, um, and I hope that, and I pray that we're, you know, edifying you and blessing you, and um, you know, come on, we love you all. So absolutely, it was a few weeks ago we threw out a challenge at the very end of the podcast because it was the longest recording we've done. Mm-hmm. It was over an hour, and we said, "Man, if you listened this long, let us know, and we will send you something, some prize." The first person that wrote us that we heard from was actually our daughter in England. Right, which we we yeah, mentioned. which was a surprise. We were like, okay, yeah. whoa, girl, awesome. you listen to the end like crazy, but you know, teenagers they listen on like four times speed. So oh, they do. So it wasn't okay. An hour. I have tried to listen to things on speed, yes, multi speed, and I feel like I'm going crazy. You what what speed do you listen to your podcast? I usually on? listen to mine on one and a half speed. Okay, okay, I can I can most of the time handle one and a half. But, uh, but anything on one above and a half, that. usually when I have it on one and a half, you usually hear it in a different room or something say, what, what in the world are you listening to? Yeah. You know, and it sounds like gibberish, but for me, it's, it helps me get through things quicker. Cause I totally get it. I listen to books on audible and so forth. So yeah, you listen to a lot uh, of books, I'm a little, a little more comfortable. Maybe you, you friends can let us know what speed do you listen to your podcast on? So for, first person that, that wrote us and said they listened to the whole thing was our daughter. Then they started to trickle in because yeah. we did another podcast and said, well, looks only like just daughter. only our daughter listened to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, many of you started DMing us, texting yeah, us. We it. got a number of them, men and women alike from all over. In fact, we ended up sending a gift box to, to Angie in McMinnville. Uh, she's so awesome. She's a Journey Church family member who's yes. online every week. She comes and visits maybe once a month. And uh, we're just so grateful for you, Angie. And for the rest of you that DM'd us and text us. Some of you said such kind things like, I don't need a gift because you're the, you're the gift to, to <laughs> us. Or, and just really sweet things. So yeah, uh, I want to say you thank guys. you. It's, yeah. it's really fun to engage like this and just to know that this is more than just us speaking into a microphone, that, that we are a family. We're on a journey together that we want to experience more of who Jesus is in our lives and our families and through the church. So, yeah. so thank you all. Yeah. And speaking of gifts, Kara, we, we got Angie from McMinnville a swag gift. It was just a box full of journey gear, yeah. just leftovers. So I don't mean to say they're leftovers, Angie, because we picked out the best for you. But it was a gift, the best we could do in the moment. Let, let's talk a little bit about gifts. Christmas is coming. It is. And we will not have any gifts under the tree this year. We won't. We won't. No. We, we decide to go present list for Christmas. Yes. This is not the first time we've done this in the Kirkpatrick family, but we are not going to do gifts this year. Instead, we are going to get on a plane on Christmas day and go to Southern California. We are. We're going to go hit up the sun. Hopefully the, the sun. The beach. Yes. Uh, Disneyland. Yes. Although last time we did this, this time of year, there was no it was sun. pouring down rain. So we'll see. Yes. That was quite the experience. We love sunshine. Our youngest daughter is obsessed with Southern California. Yes. She thinks she's going to move there. She does think she's going to move there. She's got this fantasy. You always have this fantasy until it becomes a reality. <laughs> and usually it doesn't become a reality until it becomes consistent. But we are going to Southern California. We, we are, instead of spending money on gifts, we're spending money on this trip. And the kids continue to bring up, well, what are you going to get mom for Christmas? And we keep yeah, like, they keep asking. They do keep that. asking. I mean, they're very sweet. They're very kind hearted kids. They, they love to give gifts. They think of us often. They, they love us. Like they tell us how much they love us. They're just really good kids, but they keep asking and we keep reminding them. Yeah. No gifts. No, no gifts, gifts no this gifts. year. Yeah. No gifts this year at all because it's very expensive. 
It's very expensive to fly. It's expensive to stay, stay somewhere. We're going to do Disneyland one day, Universal Studios one day. The rest of the days, we got to find some cheap stuff to do. Oh, we're going to do Beaches, the beach. Beaches, trails, yeah. and so forth. We, we love it down there. But we've never been to Hawaii. We've never done a family vacation to Mexico or on a cruise. And we started looking at the cost of this right? thing saying, well, wait a second. We could have. We probably could have <laughs> stayed at a really nice resort in Hawaii or something like that. Right. But instead, we opted for what's familiar because we've done this many times. Uh, it's, it's, it's our old stomping grounds down there yeah. and our kids, it's some, some, some type of nostalgia. So it is. we've taken them many times. In fact, one Christmas we woke them up in the middle of the night Yes. Uh, on Christmas morning. They yes. were so confused and that was the we, first time we ever did it. Uh, yeah. We forced them to open some, I don't know, it was small stockings. gifts. Yeah. It was no, it was no, no real gifts. It was all stockings, but we wrapped them all up. And it was like silly little trinkets. But they were all supposed to be leading towards the trip. Yes. So then we put them on a plane that morning. We all went to SoCal. And I think we had Denny's for Christmas dinner. We did. Or Christmas Christmas morning. lunch. Christmas bre brunch. breakfast. Yeah, we, we were we all got starving. It was a six, I think it was a 6 a.m. flight or 5 a.m. flight. It was we, early because we woke them up at like three. Yes. And we, I, going to the airport, it was in the negatives. I remember yeah. that too. And then we got to Southern California. That was the first time we did. I think it was in 17. Yeah, uh, I think it was. And it was the perfect weather. We went to Santa Monica. We went to, uh, I mean, it was awesome. We It was as perfect as sunshine could be. It was what we were desiring. Yeah. But. I think we traumatized our daughter that year because she was confused why she didn't get gifts. She was young. That would have been, what, five, six years ago. So she would have been eight or nine. Yeah. Now we did it one other time a couple of years ago. And then this will be our third time doing it. And now it was her idea. Yeah. And, you know, to be clear, um, we had a conversation at a, uh, an Advent study that, um, which was amazing that I went to last week and the, the gal that, um, ran it kind of asked around the table, what are your Advent traditions or what are your Christmas traditions mm -hmm. in your home? Just to kind of share, you know, like share ideas and things like that. And, um, a lot of people had, you know, some really sweet, um, Advent traditions. Okay. And, um, I didn't share anything, but in my mind, I'm thinking, our life is church. Yes. So our Christmas Eve has always been, since the kids have ever known it, we've been at church the entire day. Yes. And so I think From morning our, to our night. whole life yes. is Jesus. Our yes. whole life is pouring our Come life on. out, right? Come so on. I think for us, Chris, we try to make Christmas Day special for them. Yes. Um, to show, you know, just, I don't know. I, oh, that's the truth because there have been many, 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 many Christmas Eve nights. That we are up late, late, late at night wrapping presents. Yeah, because we've been, you know, pouring out all day, yes. which is great. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's what we do. It's our family rhythm. It's the kids know no different. Yes, but it is fun to to do something fun for them. Yes, December too, so. gets a little nuts for pastors. Yeah. and their families. I'll just give a little example. Not only do we have Sundays, which consume our days, which is why we put a pause on pursuit nights mm -hmm. during the advent season yeah. because it's just it's heightened craziness yeah between school activities and, and parties and all those different things that people are doing hosting and families and so forth we decided to put a pause in that as to not add to that but to say let, let's just focus on being present during yeah. this advent season yeah. but we add things at church like recording our christmas eve services for television so one of the perks we get of having church on television is during Christmas weekends, Christmas, or excuse me, television uh, studios are looking for something to fill their slots with, specifically seasonal, you know, content. And usually our Christmas Eve services will be played more than a dozen times mm -hmm. on the weekends. Yeah. But to get it into them, you have to submit it one week early, which means it has to be turned in oh, right around the... 14th or no, let's see what, what what's Christmas Eve 24th. Yeah. So what's a week, a week early before that. So yeah. somewhere around the, um, uh, I don't know what that is. The 18th or something yeah. like that. We have to get it submitted in, which means we have to film it a few days earlier than that in time for it to be produced and edited and all those details, all that to say, 
is there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I have to have a Christmas Eve message done by the 14th, which is when we're filming Christmas Eve services. So that, that consumes us. Yeah. It, it takes a night away from our family. It takes a lot of time and practice. Not only that, then we have all the regular things. So anyways, enough whining and whimpering about <laughs> Christmas time for pastors and their families. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're heading down to SoCal. We'll keep you all posted post Christmas, how it goes, yeah. but it should be awesome. I'm really looking forward to the services after Christmas. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming, uh, in 2024. Yes. It's going to be really exciting. And we're going to launch some fun stuff reflecting on 2023 on December 31st should be really, really good. Yeah. So speaking of church care yesterday, we just, we had a really full day yesterday. It was the first Sunday of December. Both services were completely packed. It was a, a, just a really powerful day full of chemistry. Uh, first service, uh, we got approached by a father afterwards mm, who yeah. came to the two of us. We were sitting right up front and was very kind and polite. And right away, the moment he started talking to us, he started weeping. Mm-hmm. And I think it hit both of us because this, this is a, a guy that, by all standards, looks like he's uh, got it together. Just a manly man. He dressed like a businessman, but told us the impact of Journey Church on his family. Yeah. That was pretty powerful, wasn't it? It was. I mean, it was, to me, it was, um, it was really an encouragement and it was really a beautiful testimony uh, of God's faithfulness um, and um, just the movement of that, that, that we're seeing happening right now. Amen. And I mean, he came in and just thanked us for not only Journey Church Ben, but also Journey Church Redmond. Right. Um, that his, I mean, y- you probably remember the details better, but his, his daughter, I believe, was recently baptized Journey Church Redmond. Mm-hmm. Um, his kids have, kids have gotten saved at Journey Church. So he's ben. got grown kids who, whom I, I don't know if they're all married or what, but they're young adult grown kids. And I believe his son... And maybe daughter-in-law were going to Journey Church Bend. Then maybe his daughter. And I don't, I don't know. I can't recall the details. I mean, it was all really quick. And yeah, he um, he, he like named them very quickly. Yes. Um, but that some of them were essentially getting transformed at Journey and Bend, and then Some another one at Redmond. Journey and Redmond. And, yes. and then he went on to just say thank you, and then to say, you know, this is this is fertile ground. There's fertile ground here. Um, which was really an encouragement. Like, right. you know, I think one of the things that we've learned in the last year and a half, mm-hmm. um, is that we, we've learned to try and be more present yes. in the stories and in the, in the transformation, in the, in the people, right. uh, in their lives. And, and so I think for me, it was one more reminder of just be present. Right. There's God is doing really, really good things. This is a real family full of real people yeah. who are experiencing the real grace of Jesus and truly being transformed. Yeah. To the point there's there's so much fruit. I mean, there was a, a clear storyline of a family that was raised in the church. Yes. Uh, prodigals, if you will, backsliders, whatever term you want to say, kids that at some point moved away from the church now have not only come back to the church, but they've solidified their faith yeah. as their own. Yeah. And now you have a father there. They were from the parents were from sisters mm-hmm. uh, and expressed. They go to a different church and sisters yeah. and they said they love journey, but they've been connected at this church and sisters. And man, if they weren't connected, they'd be they'd probably coming to journey. And what a just, a, what a powerful story of the church. There's really only one church friends. Yeah. It's not Journey. It's not a Baptist church or Presbyterian church or Methodist. It's no, no denominational. There's one church, and it, that is the church of Jesus. Yeah. And when Jesus is transforming lives, it, it is clear and evident. There's fruit that follows. Absolutely. There's obedience. Yes. You know, someone getting baptized is obedience yes. to the claims and the commandments and the teachings of Jesus. And I just was so grateful for that. And, you know, he, he wanted to tell us more, but there was a line starting to form as happens after services. And he's like, oh, I don't want to take your time. But man, I would have loved to hear, would have loved to have heard more. Yeah. But even just what we heard, I think, was a, such a beautiful encouragement yes. um, that uh, God's just, he's moving right now. And I'm Amen. thankful for it. And that's one of the reasons why we even started this podcast was to tell the stories because right. a lot of times we get to hear the stories. We get to celebrate the stories. We, we tell stories at, mm. on Tuesdays at staff meetings. All of us do. And I wish that we could invite the whole church into it because Amen. it's, it's such a cool time together of, 
um, you know, of reflecting on right. the transformation stories that, and they're vast. Mm. And I'm just, well, I, they're what beyond I, what we can act, what we even know. Yes. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of stories every week hundreds of stories that we don't even know about. Right. We only know the ones that touch us and they touch us because we're the face of journey. You know, we're the talking head and so we're familiar. But God is doing more than we can even imagine. Oh, he is. He is. I, I completely agree. And I what I was going to say was I just, I actually genuinely just feel really honored and I feel thankful that he's, that I get to be a part of it because... I just, I just feel thankful. I, I yes. think he's doing so much and to see the, um, the joy on his face, to see the the life right. transformation, like yesterday, you know, you had at both services, you had, um, people that were, you know, say professing their, their faith in Jesus for the first time. And you made it pretty clear. You asked them to stand up. Right. I mean, that was a bold move Yes. and that wasn't just like a, a little hand in the air or everyone's eyes are closed. Right. Look at me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. stand up if you're going to profess your faith in Jesus. And there was some people that stood up mm-hmm. and, uh, I say that to say, I just feel really thankful to be a part of of a community and a body that is seeing salvation, yes. that's seeing seeing these things. A life-giving church. Yeah. There are a lot of churches in every community, and not all churches are equal, and I mean no judgment upon the church because the church is meant to reflect the bride of Christ. But not all churches are life-giving. There are a lot of people that have been hurt by church. There's some churches you show up to, and there's just no life at all. And one of our dreams with Journey is to be a multiplying church that creates life-giving churches in every community. Yeah, absolutely. And and Pastor Luke and I are dreaming, the two of us are are now dreaming, what does that look like for more cities across Central Oregon? Because both of our churches are at capacity. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at, at developing a large campus to yeah. impact this region like it's never happened before. Luke is looking at what's next for him. But the reality is we, we try to keep up with the growth. Yeah. And every town and every city needs Absolutely. a journey church. Absolutely. They need a life-giving church. Yes. And you know, Kara, to come back to that decision to have people stand to their feet, I've really just been burdened lately about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And... I, I, we try to create an environment at Journeys that's safe for someone who's unchurched, who's unfamiliar mm-hmm. with uh, the ways of Jesus or the language of Christianity, or right. they're, they're unfamiliar with the Bible. So to come in can be really scary, yeah. um, uh, hard, daunting. You, you hear language of people who are unchurched, like, oh, the church, you know, the the roof would fall in on me right, if, if, if I, I go to church. Uh, this place would burn down. I mean, you hear all these different yeah. cynical sayings about, man, I, I'm not welcome and people like me aren't mm-hmm, welcome. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is they ought to be welcome and we should foster those environments. But, but And that takes intentionality. It does. It takes a lot of intentionality. That's yeah. what we've worked on for 14 years. It is. And, and one of the things that, that that's always burdened my heart is, is this because, um, you know, my story of faith started when I was young, but I, in a way, but, but then I went to college and I really tried to, um, I tried to figure out, I tried to understand, I tried to get into the, the Christian circles and I couldn't, Mm. it was like, it wasn't that they were, didn't want me around, but there was no clear path for, um, uh, someone like me. For, for someone that, that wasn't raised in the church mm-hmm. or someone that doesn't fully understand Christianity. Yes. And I always felt like an outcast. And mm. so for me, my, the heart, the beat of my heart has always been, mm. um, to make church a place that is welcome to wow. everybody. Amen. Um, so I'm thankful that we, we have been intentional about that. Well, it's been our dream from the beginning. To be a church for people who don't like church, people who are disconnected for any reason, that there's hope for everyone. That, that's, that's truly our, our dream. But in doing so, there's no manual for discipleship. Yeah. That this is exactly what this looks like, or you do this every time and it works. Or There's, there's nothing like that. I mean, people oftentimes come to me and they'll ask me, well, well what's the discipleship plan? Mm-hmm. What's the system? What's the method? What's the, it's like those things are constantly changing. And I often ask people to uh, make a profession of faith on the outside, because if they're going to make it in their hearts, they got to do it on the outside. So usually that's done with eyes closed and hands raised. Yeah. I'll guide them through that and I'll guide them through a prayer. I'll guide them through the next steps. And, but I just, as we've been praying lately, Kara, and we've been talking lately and it's like, 
Jesus is coming soon. Like, we've got to take this serious. When you close your eyes and raise your hands and you make a profession of faith and if you're praying it with everyone else, here, here's the deal. Yes, it can be very genuine. But after that, it's easy to slip away. And yeah. I, just, I just have this urgent conviction that all people, from the brand new believer that gets born again for the first time to someone that's been walking with Jesus for 50 years, we have to take a stand and be a light in this world. Yeah. We have to be a city on a hill. We've got to be a salt to a world that's wasting away. Yeah. We've got to take Jesus at his word. And so I'm getting this urge that mm-hmm. we've got to continue to be more bold in our faith. Now, prior to these last three or four years, I don't know, even leading, I don't, I, I don't know how to say this. I think in the church, a lot of times boldness means brashness, like the harsher you are, the bolder you are, you know, and it's, it's a cultural boldness. That's not the boldness I'm talking about. Mm. I'm talking about a boldness for Jesus. Yeah. Jesus knew when to keep his mouth shut. He yeah. knew when to open his mouth. He knew when to pray. Mm-hmm. He knew when to cast out demons. Yeah. It was a boldness led completely by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He knew when to have compassion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. He knew when to rebuke. Absolutely. Yeah. And, when children were being told not to come to Jesus, he knew when to be firm and say, yeah. no, let the little children yep. come. He knew when to flip tables over in the temple. I mean, that, that that's what I'm referring to. And mm-hmm. I think inside the church, I want to call the church forward in boldness so that when they're outside the church, there's the same boldness. Oh, yeah. Amen. That they understand following Jesus requires everything. It doesn't make it easy. In fact, I tried to explain this. This is going to require courage. If your heart is racing and you have a uh, butterflies in your stomach, that usually means God's calling you to faith. Yeah. A place of uncertainty. And there were, I mean, there were some bold people, particularly yes. at the second service. Yes. There was, I don't know how many, cause I was sitting in the front, but mm. there was a, I mean, there was a decent amount of people that stood up. Well, first service, there was only one. And, uh, I was, it made it really easy to make eye contact Yeah, and it made it really easy to, um, give him next steps to pray for him. And I mean, it it was, it was genuine. I mean, it was a real intimate moment in in a room full of five or 600 people. Yeah. And when one person stands up, that requires boldness. Mm -hmm. Second service, there was more like a dozen or two. And I I think at first there actually may have been even some confusion of people who were believers that Mm. stood up for Jesus. And they actually sat down Mm. and I could see people sitting down. I no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I want you to stand. So I had to like really clarify if you're going to believe in Jesus for the first time, stand back up, you know, and I, I gave a, a clear a description of what, what I'm asking of. And there were a number of people that stood up, including one young girl, maybe mid teenage uh, years, 15, 16 years old, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there, 17. I don't know the exact age, but she was right in the middle. And it was, I mean, three or four rows back, right in the middle. And I made eye contact with her and she chose, she stayed standing and she was making this decision to stand up, to believe in Jesus, to start following Jesus. Well, later that night on Sunday evening, last night, our daughter told us more about her story. Yeah. She's been coming to youth group Mm -hmm. and we don't know their initial connection to Journey Church. But she's been coming to youth group from Madras. Yeah. And she explained her dad is in prison. Her mom's a drug addict. Yeah. And she's being raised by another family member. Uh, yeah. Our daughter was uh, thinking it was probably her grandmother. Uh, yeah. Uh, something uh, along those lines. So it's like, this is, this is the story of the gospel. Yeah. The transforming work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus changes the destiny of our family line. He changes the trajectory of where the enemy wants us to follow in the patterns of what we were born into, yeah. but Jesus comes forward and changes everything. He does. And and that reminds me actually of another story that our daughter, who's 14, um, who, you know, grew up at this church and, mm-hmm. you know, at... Uh, yesterday at church, she sat right by me uh, in the front row, and so um, she, uh, we were, we got to talking about this cute younger, 
I didn't know if they were a couple or what, but they're, you know, her age, essentially. Yeah, teenagers. Uh, teenagers. Super cute. Right? They're blondes, sitting, cute outfits. Yeah, they're sitting in the front row. And, um, a boy and a girl. Oh man. They were just, uh, they were just engaged. Like they were, she was kind of on the edge of her seat. Um, uh, at one point she kind of mothered him a little bit. So I wasn't sure, you know, but they look similar ages anyway. Yeah, was it story, a boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah, brother, sister? Yeah. We didn't know friends. Long story short. Um, we are in this conversation with our daughter about this, you know, the gal who stood up that you're talking about. And then I brought this, these two teenagers up and she's like, Oh, I know them. So-and-so was in my ceramics class or something. And, um, she's, she's older than I am. She's yep. older. Yeah. And, and she said, then a brother's it's a brother. He's in eighth grade. And then she said, well, and she got baptized a couple weeks ago yes. when we did baptism. Yes. So I'm like, that is new Testament. Like that is just, that's, so awesome to be yes. able to celebrate Come on. and to see, okay, she, what, a freshman or a sophomore in high school, got, gets baptized. Mm. She comes to church mm. after that, you know, continually with her brother. There was no parents around. Front row. Front row. Of, of church. <laughs> yeah. On Sundays. There teenagers. There were no adults by them. The, these were teenagers that are choosing to come to church. Yeah. Now, that just absolutely gets me so fired up, Kara, because... My life was transformed as a teenager and I did not grow up in a, a church like journey. You know, right. the church I grew up in was more of a church church. But you didn't really grow up in it. You got saved at 15. Well, I got saved so, at 15. Yeah. So freshman year of high school, the same age this boy was, yes. he looked a lot older than eighth grade. He looked more like he was maybe 16, 17 years yeah. old. She's a junior. We weren't sure if their boyfriend and girlfriend come to find out his, his sister and brother. And here they are front row of church and we're pouring into them, believing God's best in them. She's taking steps of obedience to tell the world before God, family, friends, church, I'm following Jesus through public baptism. It is. It's like, this is awesome. Like, yeah. Satan, you're not going to stop yeah. this. This world is going to be in, in the midst of a world where it looks like we are at one of the darkest times in the history of our nation. Yeah. You know, confusion with sexuality and confusion of, of, of morality and yeah. uh, focus. Uh, family seems to be breaking apart and understanding. All these things we could be negative, negative, negative on. There is a generation rising up unlike any other generation in America that actually is, is a conviction of believing and following Jesus. And if, if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of their hearts and they would be in unity, they're going to be unstoppable. Yeah. Amen. Unstoppable. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Well, I, I too thought that was um, just, just powerful. I mean, yeah, I, I also think, you know, going back to the, uh, what you just described as the culture that we're in. Mm -hmm. I just, I really, and specifically even the Pacific Northwest, cause that's where we live. That's what we know. That's where God has called us to. Right. And I just, I really firmly believe that, that light shines brightest in the darkness. So the darker the region, the brighter the light is going to shine. Yes. And I'm, I'm just, again, once again, thankful that, that I get to be a part of, come on. of seeing God's kingdom come here. Yes. I would totally agree with you. And I, just want to prophesy and believe that this is going to multiply because yeah. when you are in a dark place and when you are that light in a dark place, it's really this, this tension. It's like a double-sided coin on one side. It's encouraging because you're the light in the darkness. Yeah. On the other side, mm -hmm. it can be absolutely discouraging Absolutely. because you are the light in the darkness. Yes. And sometimes the darkness is the majority yes. and it can be overwhelming. It can but be. The light always has victory over the darkness. Yeah. And if we can just continue on that path of, of, of believing and receiving God's promises and this generation continue to make steps of obedience, it's unstoppable. Yeah, absolutely. Ab absolutely. Incredibly uh, to see what God's doing. Well, I, I just want to speak into that because we, we are in a, in a dark place and we've talked a lot on this podcast about our own journey and uh, being in that dark place and even getting to a place of emptiness and brokenness. And uh, I came to that conclusion when we had those victorious moments on sabbatical of, well, yes, this is a dark place. what do you think? <laughs> you're, yeah. you're doing the work of God. Mm -hmm. You want to go do it in an easy place? You, you want to go be with a holy huddle, people just like you? Like, yeah. is that what you think God's called you to? Well, God's called us to a great place. And on our last podcast, we talked about the demonic and how in Uganda, we yeah. there was just the demonic is really just in your face and it's not unusual 
culturally speaking, but yet in the United States, it, it's much more hidden because it's it's formed and shaped in cultural ways versus just spiritual ways. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I last week wanted to share more about that because after we got off the podcast, I started thinking there are some tangible areas of the demonic that God's revealed to me, to us at Journey Church that I, I was unaware of, that now when I'm aware of it, now I can uh, fight this battle, have authority over it. Mm-hmm. I can understand this biblically. But when you're naive to something, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And the enemy loves that because the enemy is a deceiver. And when you're being deceived, you don't even know you're being deceived. Yeah. Until, and for us, until you get to a place of oppression, mm-hmm. depression, yeah. <laughs> then you have to look back and say, what in the world got me here? Yes. And, and that was... And oftentimes it doesn't even happen overnight. It's it's like, oh yeah, this, it can be slow. This long journey of moving away from life, moving away from the truth and moving you get away to, from victory. Yes, exactly. And after a while you're like, how did I, I get here? Well, when you, when you have the victory and the authority in Jesus, God gives you a revelation. He gives you a, a better understanding of what was happening, uh, because you have authority over that. Specifically, I want to just speak a, a couple of, of different areas because I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast last week, and then I never went here. And I want to refer to the Jezebel spirit, yeah, because it was really clear that over time there was this Jezebel spirit within the church, yeah, and and taking uh, control and or um, tormenting our lives. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, could you, could you describe what, what you mean by the Jezebel yeah, spirit? I absolutely want to describe the Jezebel spirit because there are many places. I don't have my, my Bible's on the other side of the table here, but, um, there are many places in the Bible that we see from the beginning to the end where the demonic is working. And you, you know, that's the word I'm using in the Bible. It might be unclean spirits, fallen angels. You call it different Terms. I'm just going to use the term demonic, where we see the devil and the principalities of evil. Those are the, the demons, the fallen angels, the unclean spirits, uh, working through history. And one particular occasion in history is when Ahab was the king uh, over Judah, and his wife's name was Jezebel. Mm-hmm. He should have never married Jezebel, mm-hmm. but he did. And we see Ahab early in his life making decisions to allow Jezebel to lead what she never had authority to lead. Now, here's some key components of what I mean by Jezebel's spirit. And the reason I can call this demonic spirit Jezebel is Jesus references Jezebel to the church. He tells the church. You tolerate this woman, yeah. Jezebel. In the, in, in now, the letters in Revelation, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so specifically in Revelation chapter 2. So if Jesus is talking to the church about this woman Jezebel, well, it's not the same woman Jezebel that Ahab right. was related to. It's a spirit. Yes. It's a demonic spirit that is tolerated and... It's often tolerated because you don't blatantly see this as the spirit of Jezebel. So here are some attributes of the spirit of Jezebel. Uh, The spirit of Jezebel will always influence leadership. So often you see the spirit of Jezebel wanting to go to the top of leadership quickly. They want to be friends with leadership. They want to attach to leadership. They want a role and authority in leadership. They want to, metaphorically speaking, looking at the person of of Jezebel, they want to marry into leadership. Mm -hmm. Because what they want to do is they want to get, uh, I say they, I'm now referring to Jezebel as a they, meaning plural, but the spirit of Jezebel, this demonic force of principalities, wants to influence And the influence will always be away from the truth. Yeah. And sometimes it's subtlety. Mm -hmm. So how how does the spirit of Jezebel influence away from the truth? Well, number one, it works through leadership. And here's how it it is. It's through control. So when, when there's control, and often that's the manipulation of fear. So we see that with Jezebel is she manipulated and she controlled Through fear. Through fear. Gotcha. Now we see it not only with Ahab, her husband, we see it through uh, the people that they were leading. 
So, so Ahab was meant to be a leader, but instead of leading, uh, he allowed mm-hmm. the manipulation of Jezebel and his own leadership. Now, later on, we see it with Elijah. Elijah is a prophet unlike any other. Jesus speaks about Elijah. James talks about Elijah. Elijah is mentioned so often throughout the New Testament. I believe more than any other Old Testament prophet. Elijah is absolutely a powerful prophet. Now, Elijah goes up against Ahab. He goes against all the priests of Baal. He, in fact, is victorious over them when he calls upon God and, and the Lord sends fire from heaven and devours the bull, including all the water that's there. Now, Elijah goes above and beyond that and annihilates all of the priests of Baal. Do you know what happens next? I know you know what happens next. But the Elijah the prophet runs off into the wilderness mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. He, what does he want to kill himself? Isolates himself. Yeah. He, he, he literally curses the day he was born. Yeah. And that's how we read into suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts. Yeah. And essentially he's in fear because... Jezebel is making threats towards Elijah. Mm-hmm. Now, come on, Elijah. You are a man of God. You have Yahweh on your side. You just call down fire from heaven. I mean, yeah. Elijah has been this bold prophet who has confronted Ahab. But yet, because of this one threat of Jezebel, it sends him on the run. It, it, it causes him to not celebrate life, but instead wishes his life never even yeah. existed. Here he is thinking he's alone in all of these things. Now, take all of those things. The, the, that's how the Jezebel spirit operates. Yeah. When, you're, when you feel alone, when you feel isolated, when you you feel like you're the only person going what you're going through, when you're in fear because of other people and what they think of you, Mm. even though you've witnessed God work in your life, that's the spirit of Jezebel. It's control, it's fear, it's manipulation, it impacts um, leadership. The last thing I'll say about the spirit of Jezebel, and this one could be more subtle, because this, this one will infiltrate itself into cultural means. And that is the Jezebel spirit tolerates sexual immorality. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, and today, that's very different than in the days of Elijah and Ahab. And uh, in, in those days, there was the celebration of false gods. There was the celebration of sexual promiscuity in the form of worshiping false gods. Yeah, there, there was the, the, uh, the, the evil practice of... of killing your your children all of these things which by the way still exist today yeah through uh, abortion through pornography through a whole slew of sexual immorality that comes into a culture and anytime that's tolerated that is the same form of the spirit of jezebel yeah now that happens in leaders that, that will happen through thought life. So it will happen through the lens of the eyes. Jesus says the eyes are the lamp of the body. That will happen through what they tolerate in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just give really practical examples because I just went on a long discourse of explaining the Jezebel spirit. We led Journey Church for many years, and we had that Jezebel spirit control us to the point that we had no, we didn't give it a name, Jezebel spirit. We, yeah, we, we didn't we, know. We we. We didn't know what it was. No, we, just, but the, we actually just ended up like Elijah, quite honestly. Yes. <laughs> Off in isolation saying, yeah. how did we get here? And the Lord, like he did with Elijah, spoke into our lives yeah. through his still spirit, through his word. I'm so grateful that God still speaks today, just like he did to Elijah. And we tolerated, and I say we, it was me, the leadership of Journey Church. There were things happening at Journey that's like, well, if I do that... Those people could leave. I'm not totally certain about that. Mm -hmm. And now, Kara, some of those people that I tolerated uh, certain behaviors in their life, they're getting divorced. They've come against me. I I just look at some of these things and say, you cannot tolerate sin, unrighteousness. You cannot tolerate the Jezebel spirit. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, ever since we identified it, we got back from the sabbatical and for a year and three or four months, I 
have been commanding any unclean spirit to be removed from our family, from my life, from the church. I do it out loud. I rebuke any demons that continue to try to come into our lives. And I'll tell you, we have experienced freedom uh, in our family, in our home, in our marriage, in my life, in the church physically. Mm -hmm. We we pray every Sunday morning, 7 a.m., we get a team together and we pray out loud. We pray over the building. We pray over the people that are coming. We pray over our lives. Uh, and that actually reminds me of when we first came back. Um, you came back, I think a week before I did, we were I was still kind of transitioning the kids from where we were. Um, yes. and we came back and I was still struggling a little bit because of the, um, I would say the Jezebel spirit had created this oppression over me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was struggling just, just even physically yes. in the building of the church. Yes. There's, there's an oppression on you there physically. Was, yes. There was to the point where I just, I actually was terrified to even go. Mm-hmm. That makes me emotional thinking about it. Um, yes. but, uh, we ended up walking Sorry. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give it back, yeah. background deta- details, more of this story. Because I came back to Bend one week before my family, and I drove into Central Oregon by myself. And I remember driving over the crest of, of Burns, and you can see the... Um, you, you can see the entire Cascade Mountain Range. And I know I'm 45 minutes away from Bend, and I start praying out loud professing out loud a declaration of God over this region, victory over this region. I'm claiming authority over this. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus. I'm claiming the gospel of Jesus over the region of Central Oregon. I get into Bend, and here I am by myself. The first thing I did is I dropped off my my luggage and stuff at your parents' place, and I drove straight to the church. Yeah, It was a Saturday. And I went to the church, and I knew no one would be there. And I walked around that building and literally just started prophesying and praying out loud, uh, prophesying scriptures over rooms of that building, prophesying the future promises of God's word over this church and over my life. And I was just praying out loud over that building, over that building, over that building, over this place. And I, it was like a, a new authority over that, that building, our church, and in my life. Now, you came back a week later, and you weren't sensing the same thing. Can I get vulnerable and real here? Sure. Okay. Well, you don't even know where I'm going, but I was just asking your permission. We had sought out a counselor during our sabbatical who uh, just really walked us through some stuff, and it was very helpful. And we continued with that counselor when we came back via Zoom. Yeah. And... We, we expressed to that counselor, here's how we're feeling. Yeah. It's, it's actually, the transition's been great for me. Yeah, but not for and me. And not so great for you. But the feelings you had, or were experiencing, were the same feelings both of us had pre-sabbatical. Yeah. Because I experienced the same thing. I was feeling unwelcome at my own church. Yeah. I was feeling oppressed. All of those things. And nobody knew it. You can fake it to a lot of people, especially when you've been doing this for a long time. And so the counselor asked us, well... Have you prayed together out loud over the in building the spa- in, in the, the space. space? Yeah. And, and it was like, well, no, we haven't. Yeah. I did alone, but no, we did not do it together. So then what we did is we went in later that week when no one else was in the building and we walked over the entire space of the building and, and prayed over that place out loud, held hands together. And the, the last thing we did was we, we prayed in the auditorium. Yeah, so we, we prayed in the, in the specific areas of the church where I had just really felt this, like, severe oppression. Yes. Um, and then the last, one of the last things we did, I, from what I can remember that day, was um, go actually go onto the stage in the auditorium, which right. um, wasn't a place that I, you know, typically was on. But um, when you took me up to the stage, then we started praying, and... And then after, like, like you stopped and you were like, what are you feeling? Or mm. how are you feeling? And I was like, peace. I just, ha- I literally have peace. Amen. And I've never, since that, since that moment, Come I've on. never felt the, the same oppression. So the victory. Praise be to God. Yeah. Was, was in prayer. Amen. Like, that's where it came. Yes. Which is so important. You know, this last week's theme of Advent was peace. And, and yeah. what God put on my heart is it's a gift that he gives us that we're either going to receive and put into practice and experience or 
we're going to be impacted by the principalities of this world, the demonic force that wants to rob us, if, if I can use such visual language, rape us of the very thing God wants to give us, peace. The enemy comes in by force and steals that which God wants to give us, which is peace. Now, now I just want to speak into that to all of us. If you're listening right now and you've made it this far in our podcast, the enemy does not go after you unless you are a change agent in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. If you're a child of God, the enemy absolutely hates you. Yeah. And the greater the influence in your life, the greater the enemy has to take you out and, and has to go against you and what God wants to do in you and through you. And potentially God hasn't even done it yet. And the enemy has been trying over and over. Now we know that. And I, yeah. I, I just want to encourage Every one of you who have put their faith in Jesus, you have authority and yeah. victory over any demonic force. Absolutely. In Jesus, according to Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your, your feet. Yeah. That's the position of Satan. You have full authority over Satan oh, in every single way. Go understand the armor of God in Ephesians 6, starting with verse 13. You need to stand firm against the enemy. Yeah, and I just want to speak into this where it. I think that in our in my world before this all happened to me, like I, I could have even said like, Oh, you're going a little crazy here. You know, like, um, yeah, you're getting hyper spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Really you're spiritualizing everything. And I only say that to say, I know that that can be a reaction when you listen to things like this. Yes. However, if you find yourself in a place of darkness, of yes. oppression, yes. of depression, um, defeat of, of defeat. Fear. Yeah. Of a spirit of Jezebel potentially controlling yes. you, um, there you can have victory over Come on. it, and victory is found in Jesus. Come on. Um, so that's why I say, like I literally before this happened to me, I had never experienced something so uh, drastic, such a like peace. I had peace in a moment. I've never had that in my life where I literally went from oppression to peace and it was in a moment and it happened through prayer. So my encouragement would be, if you are experiencing that, go to Jesus. Like it's not, it, it, it's not something that's scary or weird. Like we are in a spiritual world. We're in a spiritual war. The enemy wants, he he wants to, to take our, he wants to take our faith. He wants, he wants to take, he wants us to take our own life really at the end of the day. Um, Suicidal thoughts, they're of the devil. It's of the Jezebel spirit. There's this control and manipulation. And when you're set free from the Jezebel spirit, you do not see the world the same way. You don't tolerate. Yes, exactly. You don't tolerate it anymore because you have authority over it. Yes. When you see sexual immorality in different places, you now have authority over that. You realize, whoa, this is everywhere. Yeah. And the church is tolerating this. Yeah. We should not be tolerating this. We should be calling people to righteousness. We we have all authority authority over this. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring this back up today, Kara, is when I went to Uganda recently and I talked to Pastor Alex, we instantly bonded and we're like, wait, no way. We experienced the Jezebel spirit almost at the exact same time. That's so wild. And, and I, the Jezebel spirit is not um, uh, omniscient like right. uh, God is, which means that God can be present anywhere at any time because he's almighty God. The devil cannot, neither can demons. However, the reason I even just referenced the Jezebel spirit, it's not like one spirit. This is a theme of how the demonic works. Yeah. Uh, we, we see the same thing regarding Balak. We, we see the same uh, spirits over and over and over again. You know, when we were reading about uh, the kings back in, uh, when we were still in First and Second Kings, there was this one particular king that just kept being referenced for evil. You know, and it, it's, it's this... Yeah. It's a reference yeah. of of evil. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by the spirit of Jezebel. Yeah. And and Alex, Pastor Alex in Uganda was experiencing the exact same thing in leadership, which is ironic because both of us were like, wow, the yeah. spirit worked its way all the way to the top of leadership. Yeah. Uh, and and that's what it does. And that's what it does. And, and it, it does it quickly. And it starts to make you feel crazy. Like, wait, I'm leading the church. I'm directing this. But why do I feel this way? Yeah. Why do I feel like we're not in unity and mission? That why do I feel like this is not of the Holy Spirit? And, and we, it was really interesting. So much so, he ended up writing a book about it. Yeah. Um, I devoured it. It's more like a, a kind of like a booklet. It's mm-hmm. maybe a hundred pages or so. Um, but it was really helpful to understand. This is not just happening in our church. 
this happens throughout the church. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants to do is discourage. But man, when we do have victory, we get to lead other people in that. Yeah. And it reminds Amen. me of a phrase we heard years ago that it's like this... <laughs> It's completely powerful and simple at the same time. It's your systems are completely designed to get the results you're getting. They're perfectly designed, They're perfectly right? designed. So, yeah. so meaning the results you're getting in your life are because of the things you're doing. So it, if you don't change things, yeah. you won't have change in your life. Yeah. So if you do have any of those things that Kara was De de describing if, if you're experiencing oppression or darkness or defeat or fear or, or, or fear uh, or or going to church and not and not experiencing praise and thanksgiving yeah. and liberty yeah. all freedom all of the promises I, freedom that is are describing huge. absolutely freedom is huge that is one thing that actually I was telling you the other day that there was a couple of um, uh, there's a couple of songs by Anna Golden that, yes. um, who's a music artist, you know, that, um, ironically the beginning of our sabbatical, we got to see her live in right. person at a church in Vegas. Um, but, uh, anyway, one of her songs is called finally free and, um, mm. it's, it's our transition back to Ben yes. from the sabbatical. That was like, that song, finally free. that song spoke <laughs> to me on so many levels Come on. because it was like, I went from, I went from oppression to freedom Oh, and that's like, there's nothing better Amen. than being free. You know what you're set free from. Yeah. You, you know what it's like. It's like when Jesus, he, he protects the, uh, the woman that anoints him when Simon the Pharisee is judging. And Jesus says, if you've been forgiven little, yeah. then you love little. If you've been forgiven much, you love much. And Kara, we have been forgiven much. And as Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, There's there freedom. is freedom. Amen. Because the Lord is spirit. And the Lord is the Holy Spirit, which can be with us anywhere at any time. So friends, if you need freedom, yeah. cry out to Jesus, mm -hmm. receive the Holy Spirit, have authority over all demonic spirits. Yes. And, and sometimes it could be in your bedroom. It could be in your house. It could be in your car, your workplace. If you're experiencing that, take dominion over that. Yes. Take dominion over Take the Word of God. Open it up. Yeah. Know the Word of God. Like We don't have a Bible in front of us right now, but I'll tell you, the Word of God is the moment God starts speaking to you through this, you'll see it from the beginning of Genesis to the end of the book of Revelation. Throughout the whole thing, God's going to give you everything you need to equip you to overcome the enemy. Yeah. And in, you know, it, it, specifically too, like just, just claiming Jesus, just, yes. just claiming Jesus has all authority. He reigns over all spirits. Yes. He, everything has to bow at the yes. name of Jesus. So just yes. claiming Jesus over over the situation Come is on. huge. I completely agree. I try to teach people, especially since we've been back, because I did not really do this consistently, regularly, everywhere before the sabbatical. But now I, I, I'm actually a little bit of a freak when it comes to this now. I just pray out loud everywhere I go, <laughs> anywhere I am. I literally yeah. pray out loud to the point I'm going to be vulnerable in this particular place, which we're not seeing that counselor anymore that we described earlier. We actually stopped seeing her uh, shortly after that because counseling is never meant to be um, the end all. Indefinite. Uh, yeah. It's actually meant to be a help yeah. to get you out of where you are. And when you've done that, you have victory and authority. Yeah. Uh, later on, if maybe you need that again, Absolutely. so be it. But, yeah. um, but I, I just want to say in that particular place, that was a vulnerable place for us to open up. But another vulnerable place for me is I... I did not sleep well mm -hmm. most of my life, mm -hmm. uh, especially adulthood. Yeah. And I would actually attribute it to the spirit of Jezebel. There's a lot of other spirits out yeah. there. that has been known as a python spirit that chokes you, you know, that, that, that takes the life out of you. Uh, mm -hmm. For many years, yeah. I had issues with breathing. Yeah. Uh, that same spirit entered into my youngest daughter. Yeah. Um, and it was horrifying because yeah. I'm like, why? Where literally, she, she's a, she, I think she's an empath. Empath is that what yeah. you say? Like, I, she feels deeply this deep empathy. Of, what we feel, yes. And so, I would have a hard time breathing. Uh, I wouldn't tell the church this, but people would sometimes see it in me, where it says I, I couldn't take a whole breath. Like, yeah. I just couldn't. Well, I couldn't the, fill my lungs. The years that those were the worst was the years that that Jezebel spirit was controlling yes. us, and we didn't know it. No, and I just I dealt with it. Yeah, it was like it was like I had we to deal with it. it. And sometimes that 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 feeling would last for months and months. Oh yeah, and it was horrifying because I would be fine for weeks, and then it would just come, and I'm like, oh, 
is here. And I knew like I would have a hard time exercising. I'd have a really hard time sleeping because of it. And it gives you more anxiety. Yeah. And I, I knew like if I went and saw a doctor or something, they would say, this is called stress. Yeah. And it's like, well, what do you do when you find out that you have manifestations <laughs> of, stress. of health issues because yeah. of stress? Well, then now you're That's stressed out stressful. about your stress. Right. And I had that for years. Through our sabbatical, is like we had victory over all these things, including sleep for me. I was sleeping. Oh, oh I, was, I can attest to this. Absolutely. I was sleeping through the night for the first yes. time. I was going to sleep or, uh, sleep uh, quicker. Yep. And a lot of this, you know, I started seeing a chiropractor a, yeah. a couple years ago when I had a health issue, and he really helped, and he's a believer. And but but man, my my sleep just started changing. But I want to testify this. This work gets vulnerable. I had to give that background of my history of lack of sleep, but now I sleep well. Well, periodically, and it's not often, but periodically I'll have some bad dreams. Mm. And I know that in the bad dream, I will consciously know that this is not of God. And I will usually wake up from that. And I don't know. I think I <laughs> wake myself up. Did this happen the other night? Yep. I heard you. It happened three nights you ago. You said, Jesus, you have all authority. A, yep, I'm going to get emotional. Uh, over I, it I keep meaning to ask yeah, you about it, but I don't want to. Yes. Uh, I had a, a, a wicked dream, and in this dream, I was given the opportunity to have authority over demons, and I was at someone else's house, and there was something evil coming to the house. Mm-hmm. The kids were terrified, and I was I was coaching them like I would the church. I was like, no, you have Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm claiming the promises of Jesus. You know, you can do all things through Jesus, mm-hmm. but they were scared, mm-hmm. and they're like, believing me? And as I'm saying this, the window, a window's behind me, they're in front of me, and this demonic force, a person, was coming up to the house, and they're screaming. Mm. And I, in a moment, had to say, do I believe what I've just taught them or not? Wow. And so I woke myself up from the dream, and I just said, Jesus, you have, and it, yeah. I, I believed it over my house, and, yeah. and this I is making, yeah, it. well, because... Yeah. That's what I do now. Yeah. I've probably done it in the last year a half dozen times mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, 1 a.m., 3 a.m., mm-hmm. and I just say it out loud. Mm-hmm. That there's there's no room in my bed yeah. for any demonic. There's no room in my house, in my marriage, in my family, in my life. And I'm not going to just claim it inside. I believe God hears me inside. He yeah. hears my mind. He hears my, the Lord can, but I need all devils to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I need them to hear that you have no place in my life. And it changes everything. It's it, like you described that peace that happened instantly when yeah. we prayed out loud in that auditorium that yeah. day. I usually get peace instantly. Like there's mm. an instant peace. I just have to continue to pray. I go back to sleep mm. and, and I have that. So I just, my encouragement and I, you know, this is just how I do it. My encouragement, though, is to pray out loud. Yeah. And you start to look like a weirdo, but I, I'll tell you, I'd rather be a weirdo with authority yeah, and yeah, peace and victory, and, victory yeah. and joy uh, than, than to go around wondering. And, and that's just, that's one of the practices I do. And we do that more in our marriage now. I do it more with our kids than we've ever yeah. done before. You know, And I, we've seen victory there. Come on. I mean, uh, you know, I have to testify that, mm. that God has given mm. victory, um, it, it specifically with with our kids yes. when we've done this yes. like i mean yeah we, we when we go through we i vividly remember while we were on sabbatical going through the house we were in and mm. praying over each room yes. and anointing the rooms with oil yes um and and god has given us victory it doesn't mm. mean that it's like we, we don't have to keep coming back to it because I keep reminding myself, I, I need to keep fighting for it. I need to keep fighting yes. for it. I need to keep fighting for it. Until we're with God yeah, in glory like it's or Jesus war. returns. Yeah. It's come, Lord, war. come. And, yes. and the, the, the culture that our kids are up against is just, it's, it's evil. Like it, it, is. it just is evil. Like Most let's just call it what now, it is. Like if you look at movies that are coming out by Hollywood, what they're producing, what people are putting money into, I'd say a good 70% of them are horror films. We cannot get creative and get outside of horror films. Yeah. Now the good news is the Christians are starting to influence Hollywood more and yeah. we're starting yeah. to see a rise yeah. of better Right. Christian films. But if it's not horror films, but it's 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 agendas and, uh, or it's yeah, agendas yeah. that are just being like forced down their throats. There, yeah, there've got to be gay characters in every movie. Yeah. And cartoons now. Parents wake up and watch what your kids are watching because 
the devil is slipping into this agenda. Yeah. We're seeing transgendered characters. We're yeah. seeing uh, homosexual relationships, and and this yeah. is being tolerated. And it's targeted to kids. Yeah, absolutely. So so why, that's why going back to that's why I say like we have one victory. I I, I need to. I keep reminding myself I need to keep praying victory, victory, victory yes. for my kids because of this culture that they're up against. I mean, both of our kids go to you know a public high school here, which they were they grew up in private school, mm-hmm. and um, the last you know the, actually since the, our sabbatical we've transitioned them, and every time I drive by their school, I just pray over oh, that school like God. it just it's a visual reminder. That's that, a good encouragement and reminder to me. Yeah, that we need to pr- we need to pray mm-hmm. for our kids like Amen. regularly, Amen. and we need to pray for this generation come on um that you know i pray for revival in come that on, school for the on, kids to just on. rise up and and yes. and usher in revival because more jesus yes. yeah because yes. jesus 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 is what everyone hey, needs <laughs> uh, i want to do that over every area of our city and our region i believe that Kara, because i do that with pot shops Every oh, time yeah. I see a green cross, I just pray out loud, yeah. you know, and I, I'll pray weird prayers. I'll be like, Lord, shut that down and yeah. give every person that's working there a better job. Yeah. You know, like Amen. show them who you are. Yeah. Like, I'm not praying to like impact the economy negatively. I'm just praying that people will be surrendering their lives fully to Jesus and, and cannabis in our particular region and place is just a center focus of, 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 of uh, claiming a solution to people's problems and yeah, it's and not. there's no freedom it's in a it. deception there's no freedom because that spirit has not been taken care of yeah and we've got to give all of our lives to jesus so now we got a, a reminder if we're driving by schools pray for that school yeah if we're driving by pot shops pray for Absolutely. that pot shop man every time we drive by the the oh, what is it called the Pretty pussy cat or pink pussy cat yeah. right on Third Street. We pray for it out loud. Yeah, I had Eliana do it the other day because oh, we, wow. we drove by and, and we I didn't do say anything out loud and she's like, ah, I just hope that place shuts down. Oh, she and said that. She said that. I'm like, oh. She's just repeating daddy's words yeah. because I prayed well, out loud in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Let that place shut Amen. down. Amen. <laughs> and I mean, look at what they grew up with, which, which, you know, it, it, look at what, what God did through journey yes. is we literally went into a building, which we talked about, I think on the fir- first podcast, the right? Like club. we went into a building that the strip club was above it. Yes. And our kids, like they saw this stuff, like. They the signs saw, and people and yes. And I, I specifically remember, I think we talked about on our first podcast here, the, the uh, at Halloween time, it the was demonic, literally the yeah. most demonic Visual, building. Yeah. And it was just a, it was a, um, it just wasn't a good place to be. It was, a, it was, it, it brought in, you know, just evil mm-hmm. that, that whole area yes. where the building was located and, and through God transformed it. Like I think that was revolutionized. He it. did. And that was a picture. That was a physical picture of what God does in heart the and in life. Work of Jesus. But Amen. that was actually a physical picture yes. of that. So Amen. I say that to say our kids, this is, this is actually something that's very familiar to our kids, <laughs> yeah. which is to, um, to ask God Come for restoration. Come on. I love that. Uh, you're getting so excited. You're knocking down your dishes over there. I love that. <laughs> preacher, preacher, preacher. Uh, well, I, I want to end on a note, Kara, because this has been a really great episode as we got to share what God's doing at church yesterday, and then we got to share what God's doing in our lives yeah. every day. I want to finish with a story. This is completely unrelated to what we're talking about, but it's really all related to everything we're talking about because we say it's all about Jesus and uh, this is a great story I wanted to share this last week and I forgot and I just think this would be a fun way to end it I think you know where I'm going with I this uh, we share stories every week at Journey about transformation our mission is to lead people on a journey of transformation in Jesus the metric of that success is people's lives should be changed by Jesus yeah. and that looks different for different people so we have an intern at Journey I'm going to just call him by name Jordan Jordan if you ever listen to this podcast and you make it this far we got a prize for you brother uh you just let us know we'll jordan you- grew up in at journey church yep yeah, yeah. we, yeah. we got to we love see him go from a boy to a young yeah. man who wants to be in ministry and now he's an intern and he's an intern in our youth ministry and uh jordan gets to share stories about jesus and uh he's uh, periodically will be a host online now what does a host mean online it means before we actually go live physically they go live and welcome those watching around the world 
world on Facebook, YouTube. We've got an online church platform. And so they just typically just give an introduction. Hey, my name's so-and-so. We're about to get started today. Here's what we're going to talk about. We're so glad you're with us. You know, make sure you get engaged with us. And it's just, that's what the host does online. Jordan has been that host. Mm -hmm. I give that background story because he says over Thanksgiving week, he had a ton of family at his house. All of his siblings now are married with kids, all these babies in the house. It's chaos. And all yeah. these things. He's like, I just need to get out of the house for a moment. Right. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Walmart. Well, he lives in Redmond. So he goes to Walmart in Redmond all by himself. He's in Redmond. He gets stopped by, in his mind, a little old lady. <laughs> I'm imagining she's in her forties <laughs> because <laughs> Jordan's a youth intern. So he gets stopped and this gal says, Hey, do you go to Journey? And he's like, well, yes, I do. And she says, I, I've seen you. You're, you are a host on there. Well, he's only done it twice at this time, mm -hmm. right? But she's recognized him. You're, a, I've seen you hold a microphone. You're one of these guys. And he says, yes, actually I am. And so then they start talking. As they're talking, you help me out if you remember this detail. As they're talking, somehow uh, he asks her, well, do you have Jesus? Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I don't, but I want him. Yeah. Something like Something that. Something like that. It very much felt like a mission trip in a yeah. third world, like a cultural context, because that's what we do. Like when we go to Uganda and we do door to door ministry, yeah. you go and you say, Have you believed in Jesus? Well, oh, yes, I have. Well, you've really been born again and trusted your life to mm -hmm. Jesus? Well, well, no, I haven't. Well, would you like to accept Jesus? Yes, right. I would. No, all right, let's pray together. Right there, she says, I want Jesus in Walmart. Right. So he prays with her yeah. that she would receive Jesus. She's never been in person. She lives in Redmond. And she says, well, I'm going to go to... I'm going to go to Journey Church in person now. Yeah, that's and so awesome. Absolutely wild. Yeah. I just want to say, when you have Jesus, he's going to meet you in Walmart in some of right. the weirdest ways. That's my God. I just had to share that story because it's wonderfully wild. It's what God's doing. He's working through real people in a real way. And my friends, when you surrender Jesus, he'll meet you right where you are, even at Walmart. So don't be afraid. Be bold. Yet someone will come to faith in Jesus even at Walmart. Anyways, I didn't get to share that story as well as I did. We've, I care. We got a new record today. Come on, somebody. Oh. This is the longest. Oh no, we do. Oh boy. The longest podcast we've ever done. Hey friends, thanks for listening. We love you so very much. May you be transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. Remember there's hope for everyone. everyone. As we close today, let me pray over you. God, would you bless those who are listening today that they would know you and the feed freedom that's found in you, mm -hmm. that Lord, you are the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, man, there is freedom. So yes, for that, we amen. thank you, Jesus, that you set us free. Thank you for loving us, forgiving us. And I just pray we continually grow in your grace in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the journey of confessions of a pastor. Please hit subscribe and rate. We are better together. See you next time.